So today I've just sat down with Todd Pitcher. Todd is the owner of Semibold, which is a web design and marketing company based in Norfolk. We had a really, really good chat about what small businesses should be doing to get themselves online, get more leads uh, out of their internet marketing, and also how they can build out a strategy and how to formulate that as a small business. I know you're really gonna enjoy the chat, we get really into some detail that I know is gonna really, really help any small business owner looking to get more out of their internet marketing. Enjoy the chat with Todd, leave us some um, messages below and get involved in the comments. Really hope you enjoy my chat with Todd Pitcher. So Todd, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I'm um, kind of coming over from Norfolk to, to Suffolk here in Bury St Edmunds. Yeah, across the border. That's it, crossing the border into um, no man's land of Suffolk. <laughs> um, you, you well? Get, have a good journey over? Yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, as, as we spoke about earlier, a little bit late, I had a meeting that overrun a little bit, but really glad to be here and excited to have a conversation with you. Fantastic. So do you want to kind of give us a little bit of an overview of, of what you do, how you got into, sure. into the business, a little bit about Semibold sure. and, and your kind of setup? So um, primarily I'm a website designer. I build and maintain websites, um, but I've got experience in lots of forms of online marketing. And a big thing that drives what I do is my interest in sales psychology, marketing psychology and understanding how people buy. So I use all of these things and all my experiences there to build websites that convert. And what, what I mean by convert is converting a visitor into a customer, a booking, or a sale. Mm -hmm. um, so that is what I do in a nutshell. Okay, so what kind of businesses are you working with at the moment? It's a huge, huge range of businesses. I do a lot of work in construction and trades, but I also am working with Chocolatier at the moment, a ballroom dancing company, okay. accountants, this, you know, literally all types of businesses and I think that really keeps me on my toes to be honest. Mm -hmm. And primarily it's website design, online marketing, 100 yes. like that. that you do. So I made the decision, well I'd say about six to nine months ago that I was going to specialise in websites. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had the experience in uh, pay-per-click, SEO, etc. But I prefer building the websites and being known for being really good at one thing yeah. rather than having multiple services. I think that's quite a, a key marketing message as well, isn't mm. it? Um, a lot of people try and brand themselves as a, a jack of all trades yeah. within the digital marketing arena. Yeah. Um, and and that your message can somewhat get watered down, I 100%. guess, there. So, so focusing on one thing, um, even though you've got the skills and the background elsewhere, mm. can be really uh, beneficial, I guess, to, to yeah. your own marketing. Yeah. So what kind of attracted you to, to this industry? So I have always been quite creative. Um, ever since a kid, I like drawing, um, making things, and that creativity has just been instilled in me from sort of day one. Mm -hmm. um, I've always known I wanted to go into business. I remember watching BBC News when I was a younger, uh, youngster, the business news, mm -hmm. understanding how businesses work, looking at the numbers, how the businesses were merging, closing yeah. down, etc. I found that really interesting. Um, so I went to, obviously went to high school, studied graphic design and art as a couple of my um, GCSEs. From there I went into sixth form and this is what really kind of shaped my progression. I studied psychology, graphic design and business and at the time I didn't know it but those three things merged really nicely mm -hmm. to end up putting me where I am now. Um, so those are the, that, that was a really big driving force, understanding those subjects and being really interested in them as well pretty much led me to, to making the, the career choice I did. So you went to six Monday day levels, I assume. Yeah. Um, and then moved into what kind of roles? So straight after sixth form, I went into a graphic design apprenticeship mm -hmm. um, with a company which was good. I learned lots. I taught myself loads of stuff um, from graphic design to video to then into web, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of editing and changing things. And that's where I got a lot of experience with just digital marketing. From there, I got to the point where I was kind of fed up with that job and I knew I had bigger goals. Um, so I started freelancing on the side as a graphic designer. That went really well. You know, I kind of showed to myself, if I can do this in the evenings, you know, the time that I have spare, what could I do if I made this my permanent, you know, focus? Um, 
I think about six months after I started freelancing, I decided to leave my job and okay. haven't really looked back. Okay, so obviously you mentioned the apprenticeship route out of A-levels. Mm. What was the appeal of going that route as opposed to maybe going to do a graphic digital marketing kind of degree sure. somewhere? So with university, I just felt like it wasn't for me. I went to view about five or six different universities, mm -hmm. but never really felt like that was a path I wanted to go in. Um, I also wanted to earn money. I wanted mm -hmm. to get out there, get some experience of work straight away. And I just thought, this is going to open doors to me. Um, if I can get into a role as a graphic designer just like that, I don't think I need to go to uni to, to you know, learn um, how to do things where I can do it on the job and learn um, skills that I wouldn't do at uni. I think it's quite an entrepreneurial view on, on the world, isn't it? And the, the stigma, I, I didn't go to university, I took mm. a very similar route to yourself. I did A-levels, I then went into um, management training. Yeah. Um, you could call it an apprenticeship of sorts at the time. It was a retail management training program for mm. um, people with A-levels or going in at a degree level. Um, and it, yeah, it, for me, I, I felt very much the same. It was, let's start working, let's start getting some experience, let's start building those skill sets without accruing debt. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit older than you. It was only about £3,500 a year to go to university um, when I could have gone. <laughs> um, I'm guessing you would have been... Yeah, it would have been nine grand yeah. a year, although I think it's dropped now to about seven, seven and a half. But when you would have been going, it would have been nine a year plus your cost. So you're coming out with 40 grand a year in in debt that so, was a big factor yeah, um, to say the least yeah so we I speak to a lot of people and they have a very similar kind of view that getting started building that foundation yeah. um, and and then the route that you've taken and having your job and doing um, the kind of freelancing on the side is a very soft yeah. kind of risk free to exactly. some extent way of starting a business um, have to, I guess, caveat people listening to this that you can be really careful of there being no conflicts of interest. Of and um, I know my brother's highly into IT, and his contract says that anything he, or contracts in the past, said anything he does himself is owned by the company yeah. um, that they work for. So you've got to be aware of those of things, but it's a very sensible way to, to start a business. Yeah. So let, let's talk about Sammy Bold's journey from you kind of going. Um, full-time, leaving yeah. your job, jumping ship and, and kind of going all in. What, what did it kind of feel like that first day that you... Oof. Yeah, that was a big day. I remember, I remember sitting at home and uh, obviously I worked from home and uh, I was just kind of sitting in front of my laptop and thinking, right, let's start this. Because obviously I had clients before, but going from having that consistent income each month, which is just paying for life, mm -hmm. to not having anything guaranteed, it was, a, it was a case of thinking, what do I do with myself? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was, I was, it was a panic, but at the same time, it was incredibly exciting. So those few first few months were big. Um, it was about getting those first few sort of solid clients on top of what I already had and start building my, my presence, my name, my portfolio. Um, it was tough. It was tough, and you know, I, I actually started out doing cold calls, mm -hmm. um, cold emails, literally door to door. I was doing all of the stuff that I didn't want to do, but I knew would help me in the end. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, first few months was a, a lot about making those cold calls and actually trying to get that first bit of real business in. It's really interesting just to kind of jump yeah, in there, sure. that as a, a digital marketing agency, yeah your first port of call is actually these really traditional ways, okay, email yeah, is still yeah. kind of digital, but picking up the phone, visiting businesses, uh, probably attending networking events, things yeah. like that. So that human interaction, rather than trying to get yourself top of Google yeah. um, for web design Norfolk, for example, um, was the, the kind of foundation yeah. that you built a digital agency. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that, and one thing I'll always say is people buy from people. Mm -hmm. So you can have the best digital marketing strategy in the world, but if you're not good at selling and being able to actually sort of get people to like you, it doesn't matter. You know, you've got to be able to have that end point to it where you they come in contact with a person at some point, uh, generally speaking, and then you've got to be able to you know portray yourself well and convince them that you are the right option for them. So going straight for those those methods straight away, there was a few reasons. Um, 
first of all, it was low cost. You know, I was just, just calling them from my mobile. Uh, I was going through Google, picking numbers out, businesses who I think I could help. Just bringing them up, being totally honest. So I'm starting out, new business. I think I can help you. Are you open to a conversation? And that opened a few doors. You know, I must admit, I must have made three, four hundred calls in that time. And I think I got about two bits of business from it. But that started the foundation and gave me so many important skills that I have today in selling and understanding how people make their buying decisions and understanding what people are looking for. Um, so yeah, it was it was a few reasons. Obviously, low cost. I knew that it would help me stand out because everyone's doing digital marketing, everyone's sending you know sort of generic emails. I wanted to be different, um, and it's just a, it was just something that helped me develop myself as well. Yeah, it, it, it's very easy. You get your marketing email come through. Someone should go delete. You don't <laughs> yeah. even know if they read it or not. Exactly. But if you're making these phone calls, um, then that you're going to get at least a bit of feedback, whether you get through to the individual that you yeah. need to or not. But you're going to know whether it's worth pursuing that, and you can kind of put them into your own, own yeah. marketing funnel to some extent yeah. as well. So you're making these calls. You're searching Google. What kind of businesses were you targeting? So at the time it was businesses uh, ranking usually page two and beyond okay. with a poor website. Reason being is because I knew that it was not going to be getting them much business. Mm -hmm. As you know, as I've said, you know, I'm all about getting people more business, helping them develop and building websites that actually convert. So I wanted to explain to them how I can make that website a tool for them to get them more business. and explaining the, the, the thought that I experienced, you know, you, you know, you're out on the job, you're, you're doing your work and you get an email through from, from a new potential customer who's found you from your website. It's that feeling and that's what I try to create and encourage people to, to do, whether it's with me or with someone else, just encouraging the importance of having that sort of online presence that can draw people in. Okay, and it was, it was mainly people still with websites who were looking to to um, convert into improving their yeah. website rather than going for those that didn't Reuse. have something yeah. um, and trying to convince them that the internet was worth considering. Yeah, that's it. So I'd say 80% of my business is, is businesses who are trying to or want to redesign their existing website. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big part of my business. And I think that the reason for that is that they've had a website, they've seen it work for them and they know it's important but it's got to the point now where it's outdated or broken or it's just not ranking or for mm -hmm. a mix of factors that they want to improve that and get back to that point where it's getting them business. It's showing them as the business they want to be seen as. Um, you know, it's a big part of, of referral marketing as well. One thing I say to people is that you know, if, if someone was to recommend uh, a plumber to me, first thing I'd do is go on their website. My entire perception of that business is based on their website. Not mm -hmm. because I'm a web designer, but because I judge them on what, they, what they're saying on the website, whether I think that they, they have the skills to fix my problem, whether I trust them, their reviews, things like that. So it's so important for me to, to have that sort of solid website that actually convinces people, yeah, they are the right person to go to, to, to help my business or to help me in my personal life. But the internet's become the kind of um, shop front now, hasn't it? So your, your website is your shop front. If, if you're a high street business and your shop looks really shabby, it's not paint peeling, <laughs> weeds growing, all of that kind of thing, it's untidy and it's not really working, yeah. customers aren't going to come in, I guess, and yeah. the same with a website. Something you said kind of intrigues me a little bit. I'm probably the most non-technical person <laughs> to ask these questions. But you said that the website can become outdated, can become broken. How, yeah. What sort of things can occur that make that happen? So in terms of being outdated, it's just how fashions change. You know, it, it gets to the point where a website just looks old. Mm -hmm. you know, you'll sometimes see clothes in shops that you look at and think, oh, that's a bit, bit outdated, I won't mm -hmm. go near that. It's the same with websites, you know, they don't function as they can today. You know, there's, there's lots of new technology, there's new ways of doing things, new understandings of user experience and how people actually use websites. All of these things, if they're not implemented, can lead to a website becoming outdated. In 
when it when a website becomes broken, there's loads of things that can can cause that. Um, it could be stuff stuff to do with the hosting, so where the the website's files are stored. It could be to do with the code in the website and how different plugins and things like that aren't being updated or they have conflicts. There's literally endless reasons that a website can become broken, and if it does become broken, ultimately it's going to reduce the chances of you actually being able to convert a user into a sale or a booking or an inquiry. Okay, and is that something that you do with your clients, the kind of ongoing maintenance, upgrading of, of the website, making sure things like Definitely. Um, glitches in the code, glitches in the yeah. metrics don't get um, That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So one, obviously my main service, of course, is web design, building websites. And then on top of that, I have a monthly uh, sort of maintenance service which includes um, updating of plugins, making sure that the website's just running smoothly. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the website security, I'm really hot on that. It's a big thing that I believe in. Um, and then also there's you know the opportunity to have an hour or two hours of changes each month to your website, mm-hmm. to upload new blogs, photos, text, you know, to have that option to, to continually develop that website to, to reduce the risk of it becoming outdated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are the, there's loads of businesses out there. Yeah. Um, you're working with quite a few businesses now across a broad spectrum of industries. What are the kind of key mistakes that businesses are making that you're coming across? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where can, can people kind of improve on those? What, what should people be doing really? I think it's actually a lack of goals or a lack of strategy. So. Rather than it, it might not be that they have a poor website, it might not be that they um, aren't marketing enough, it's probably actually more commonly they are not sure why they're doing the things they're mm-hmm. doing. So I'm a big believer in that every single task and every single thing you do in business should be done for a reason, it should relate to your overall goals. So what I tend to get in, you know, when I speak to businesses, the first thing I ask is what do you want? You know, what, not what do you want from me, what do you want from your business, from your life? And then you soon start to see these patterns of how their overall goal is influenced by single and individual goals within their business. And then we work out a strategy to actually use their website to help them achieve these goals. So to answer your question, I think the biggest thing that a lot of small businesses are missing out on is that focus on a goal and how they're going to use their marketing, use their website to actually reach those goals. So would you say it's kind of, it would be a fair comment to say most people think, well we just need a website, just get something, a WordPress or something like that, a few pages, get it out there, we've ticked that internet marketing box, we've got a website and then they're like, well the internet doesn't really work for us. Yeah, that's, um, that's so no, nothing, Nothing's coming from our website. We might get a few phone calls from Google, but it, there's no strategy. Yeah. Okay, well one of the things we're gonna chat about later is, is that actual strategy of how we can move or where we can take that kind of individual and mm. build out a strategy, a website and again, social and things like that. So mm-hmm. it'd be really good to get your, your opinions on that as cool. this kind of um, develops. Okay, so. You, you've mentioned how you started marketing your business, um, so the cold calling, the door knocking, um, network meetings, things like that. I assume things have developed on somewhat. Yeah, so how are you marketing your business? What, what are you doing as an internet marketing company, a digital mm. agency, so to speak, in a very noisy, very busy industry yeah. um, to, to kind of get business for yourself. Sure, so my marketing is all based around lead generation. I need leads, I need businesses coming to me interested in a new website to be able to then obviously sell them that website and help them get the solution that they need. So my, my main pools of leads, I have four where my business comes from. One being partnerships with agencies. So other creative agencies, marketing agencies who use me as their sort of dedicated uh, WordPress website specialist mm-hmm. to help them out on projects to actually build websites for them on a white label basis or they just pass it over to me and there's a few ways it works. The next being referrals from existing clients. So my clients who are really happy with the job that I've done for them, when they're speaking to their business friends, they, they pass me pass my details over to them um, and then that kind of constitutes as a lead. 
there's also my own marketing. So this is actually where, this is a mixture of things and what I would class these as is um, social media, my own website, so being able to rank and being found on Google. Um, also, there's other bits like videos, um, actual sort of flyers and things like that. I don't do too much of that, but my own marketing is one pool of leads. Generally, most of it is digital based in my website, my social media. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, the last sort of pool of leads is networking. So I do lots of networking um, all over Norfolk, Fit Suffolk as well. Uh, meet lots of business owners, just get to know people. And as a result, these people eventually will either refer me or they'll want me to do something for them. Um, and that just happens. You know, I don't go there looking for that. I go there to share my experience with people, learn from people. And as a result, I get business from it. So it's a win-win really. Yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about the networking strategy. So I know that's a little bit off on a tangent to the yeah. digital marketing. Um, but again, you, you seem to be taking a very human, very holistic approach to getting um, leads into your business, yeah. like I say, rather than just trying to get number one on, on Google, of course, yeah. um, which I'm sure would help, but is the kind of unicorn situation, mm. especially within, a bit like with ourselves with Mortgage Republic, yeah. um, that mortgage keyword is it, near on impossible it's unless different. you're going to yeah. chuck a couple of million pound at it. Yeah. So how, how are you um, kind of cultivating these relationships through your networking what do your networking meetings look like sure um and i guess you mentioned you're, you're not going there to kind of sell you're going there to help people so how, how are you finding that works talk a little bit about that That'd sure be great. so you know like i said earlier people buy from people that's a huge huge thing that i, I learned pretty early on in my business uh, career so i don't believe in forcing sales or you know trying to go out and shout, buy my websites, buy my stuff. It's, it, you know, it's just, you're wasting your time. What my strategy is about is, is getting out there, meeting people, meeting people who are relevant to what I do, so in the same industry as me, as well as people in their own sort of industries, you know, with their own businesses and uh, their own skills. As a result, I get to know these people over time. I build relationships with them, just like friends, you know. This is literally, it's nothing more serious than that. I just have fun with people, enjoy spending time with them. And as a result, we get to know each other. They get to trust me, I trust them. And they're happy for me to do work for them or pass me on to their friends, their family. And that's the strategy in a nutshell. Just get to know people, be nice to people, help them out when they've got questions, use your skills to your advantage be able to help them answer their questions they have vice versa they'll do the same for me you know for example with mortgages if I have any questions I'll come to you it's, it's just like that you start to build trust people with people and as a result that business comes naturally yeah I, I know we've kind of talked about the the human element um, mm. quite a lot today but I think that's something that's been forgotten in, in marketing mm. and, and also as as the internet ages people and social media and things like this People want to hide behind the keyboard, hide behind their iPhone, and don't actually want to have that face-to-face conversation with people, pick up the phone, meet someone for a coffee, go to some of these networking events and build those human um, relationships that will have massive impact (laughs) on your business compared to, again, sticking a few hundred pounds into some pay-per-click or something like that, which again can work, but again is costing money and the, the return on investment on those human interactions can be really Definitely. really important. Okay, so one of the things I want to get into, Todd, is to try and um, establish how how people should kind of build out their marketing strategy. So I just want to start with a couple of things yeah. um, around the internet marketing world and, and what's out there at the moment, and then we can try and flesh out some sort of strategy for people to take something away from this podcast. So we mentioned Google, page one, all of that. Is that still important today? Is it still important to keep trying to strive to get onto page one of Google? Yes, it is. It's, you know, don't get me wrong, it's, it's always going to be beneficial. But what I must stress to people in the majority of small businesses is that it's not the only thing you should be doing. A, 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 a successful marketing strategy for a small business includes lots of different leads, uh, pools of leads, mm-hmm. or pools of you know areas where you'll get more business from. Just as I mentioned, I have four main pools of leads and how they get to me. 
Um, if you focus purely on that one thing, if you have all of your leads and all of your business come from the number one spot on Google, if you lose that number one spot, if something happens, if you're, if you're uh, penalised by Google for sort of foul play, so to speak, yeah. or anything like Change that. Change the algorithm on you overnight. Exactly. You know, it can be as simple as that. If you lose that, then that's your business gone. Where, where is your business coming from then? You, you don't hear it so much anymore, although I'm sure they're, they're out there, but there, there were things like the panda update yeah. and penguin update. Yeah. They, they named them random animals, yeah. um, but basically they were just screwing people over that had managed to hack their, their algorithm and they'd gone, no, that's not going to work anymore. So yeah, I mean, with, with, with Google, they, they update their algorithm often, to say the least, and... Um, it is those updates and those things and different factors that are ultimately out of your hands that can screw up your business if you're entirely reliant on that number one spot. Of course, you also have pay-per-click, so Google Ads, where you could actually um, pay for that number one spot to a certain extent, but it's again, you're relying on a third party, something that's out of your control. So Google could change anything at any point and it's out of your control. But you know, I, I'm not saying it's not worth doing. If you can get that number one spot, if you can rank well in in uh, for keywords that are going to get you business, do it. You know, it's worth it. It's another stream of those leads and that business. But in my eyes, it should be the only way you get business because then you are putting all of your eggs in one basket. So there are any ways to kind of in a roundabout way hack Google with things like Google Maps and their um, their business listings. What should people be doing with with those kind of things? So straight away for any business, uh, get a Google My Business listing. It's free. It takes about ten minutes to set up, and it gives you the opportunity to rank locally. So for trades and plumbers, for example, perfect. People searching for a plumber near me or a plumber in Barry or plumber in Norwich, those sort of things, you've got a good chance of ranking in what is known as the map pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can be found there, people can see your reviews, they can see your contact details, they can link through to your website. It's it's free marketing. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't go without it really, it's a no-brainer. And whilst reviews um getting five star reviews, I guess is important. Mm-hmm. My understanding is Google just prefers you to be getting reviews because it sees that you're an active um, kind of um, business and people are using you so therefore you must be quite popular. I assume if you're getting one star reviews that's going to be an issue for them, they may not promote you as much but generally not everyone would have to be a five star review I guess. Yeah that's true, I mean like I said it's natural, it's just appearing to Google as your natural business and this is my opinion, not everyone have the same opinion to me but if you can just show that you're a normal business and you're getting reviews, some might be five star, some might be four star, etc. It just shows that you're an active business. Reviews is just a small part of many, many factors that influence where you rank in that map pack. Mm-hmm. Um, there's literally loads of factors, um, citations, what, whether you've got keywords in your title and things like that, those sort of okay. things. Um, it's very, very subjective to a certain certain extent obviously there's things that are just black and white you know do this and you'll get a better chance of ranking but a lot of it is based on opinions research trial and error yeah and uploading things like images especially if say you're a plumber yeah you know, if you work you're a builder things like that um or anything else that's quite photogenic yeah. i guess of your work would you recommend uploading as many images as possible um you can also blog within your posts now, do mini yeah. posts. So yeah, if, just like you can on Facebook, social, all, all sorts of social media, you can put little posts on there, that you can have an image, some text, and a link elsewhere. So yeah, I recommend doing that. I have seen some, some success personally um, actually posting, and I've seen some success in actually going up the, the map pack slightly. Mm-hmm. It might be due to other factors, I'm not sure, but that's just something that I've kind of deduced myself. Um, what I would say, the biggest thing though, you know, we can talk about all these factors of how you can rank on Google and stuff, mm-hmm. but ultimately it doesn't matter where you rank on Google if you're not appealing to people. You know, that's your main focus. So I wouldn't just add stuff to your Google My Business listing or your website purely because you know that Google will favour it. Do it so people are actually going to land on it and they're going to think, okay, this is the person I want to be using. So it still that's needs to be engaging content, things okay. that people are going to be... Um, 
interested in. I mean, going back to the, a builder, for example, mm. if you've done an extension, do a post with some pictures of the extension, explain yeah. maybe what you've done, um, the work, uh, and show the process and, and all of that. And it, it's some engaging content for mm. people to look at and uh, quite likely to click through to either your website or, or give you a call yeah. directly from the listing there to discuss, especially if they're looking for a similar similar project in that yeah. example. People come first at the end of the day, you know, the search engines aren't going to buy your stuff, mm-hmm. so make sure that you're appealing to people and you're making people want to get in contact with you. Yeah, and pay-per-click on Google has increased in, in price significantly yeah, over quite the years. Yeah. I mean, we were talking before about um, the internet marketing kind of personality, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he talks a lot about when he started his wine um, business, owning the word wine and Cabernet Sauvignon and that for like five cents a click, yeah. and that would probably cost closer to four four dollars or four pound or whatever yeah, now that's to that, yeah. to get that. So it, it's not as um, affordable, which kind of means you've got to be better at it to make it work for you. I would assume. Yeah, so I think you know competition is increasing. You know, it's, it's a great way of getting business if you can if you can nail it, um, and you can make sure that your cost per acquisition doesn't outweigh the actual sort of profit you make on each sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's about knowing your numbers and making it work for you. Uh, it's going to be more competitive. It's more expensive. So yeah, it's still a viable way of getting business. But again, I say that. I think it should be part of a larger marketing strategy rather than mm. being the thing that's relied on to get your business. Okay, so obviously Google came, everyone jumped on Google years ago, um, although it's not actually that old, this is a really scary thing, and what, it's less than 20 years old Google, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is really quite scary, yeah. that how short a period of time that that's been part of our life, yet we don't do an internet search, we Google things, even if we're on bin, we're Googling yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, which is the, the strangest thing. Um, and then social media has come along. So do people need to be on Facebook? Should they have a Facebook page? Should they be engaging on Facebook? I wouldn't say that people need to do any form of marketing. And what I mean by that is they don't need to do certain things. Mm-hmm. What they need to do, however, is find where their customers are and be in those places. Okay. So it could be that your customers are on Facebook. Perhaps you're a clothing brand. Perhaps you sell gym wear, for example. You're likely going to be targeting a lot of people with Facebook ads because your market are probably, what, 15 to 25-year-old males. They're going to be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Instagram. So work out who your market is, who your customer is, and then work out where they hang out. It could be that they're at networking events. It could be that they're at trade shows. So your marketing should just be centered around where your customers are. Okay, so let, let's um, compare a couple of these platforms, because there, there's lots of them, um, and there, there's some new ones launching all the time. Yeah. Um, if you're, you're time limited, which I think most business owners are going to be, you haven't got someone dedicated, able to put you on all of the platforms. Let, let's kind of accept, I guess, that if you could be on everything, it would make sense to be on everything to cover all bases. But do you need to be on Instagram or Snapchat? Which one would you choose? For my, this is the thing, I have to say it from my business's point yeah. of view, because it could be that Snapchat would be a lot better than Instagram for certain industries. Is Snapchat younger, do you think? Do you think that's a younger And this, My assumption would be, yeah. I'd say that I, I've, I have a younger sibling, um, she's 18, but she's, she's, she uses Instagram more, but I know that people younger than her, she's spoken about, tend to use Snapchat a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think it is generally a young generation thing. Okay, and is it TikTok that's coming through now? Yeah, so, so I have never been on it, but I've seen a lot about it. It seems to be growing fast. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be bought out by someone fairly soon, mm. probably Mark Zuckerberg, who seems to just buy everything for a couple of billion dollars yeah. just to <laughs> get rid of the competition and yeah. merge it into the yeah, empire that yeah. is Facebook that will run the world at some point. Mm. Um, the new Terminator film kind of needed to integrate Facebook into it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out Facebook was um, the, the computer system that takes over the world, because I think that's his plan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's things like TikTok that may come and go and may end up like Vine, yeah. I guess, that course, was there yeah. for a very short period of time, but was massive for a while, or it could become the new Instagram. So mm. I guess you've got to try these 
these um, platforms and, and see what's going to work. Yeah. So if you let, let's try and get a, a basic strategy in, in place then. So we're starting a business selling widgets, doesn't really matter what it is, I guess. Um, although it might do depending on the demographics of your client. That's let, it. Let's, let's get an overview of a basic strategy. We're starting this business, Where, what's the first thing we should be looking to do? So you start this business, um, first of all, make sure there's a market for your product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can have the best product in the world, but if there's not a market for it, if no one wants to buy it or there's better alternatives, you might as well stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're going to be able to develop it further to then appeal to a new market. So that's the first thing. Make sure people actually want to buy your product. Then you've got to work out where these people are, what they're going to be receptive to, what do they care about? Do they care about price? Do they care about quality? What is it? How are you going to structure that product and how are you going to market it? You're going to market it that's great value, you're going to market it that's premium quality, those sort of things. So a big part of it is understanding your customer and understanding what they'll buy. From that point, you understand where they are. Like again, going back to the gymwear brand. Chances are Facebook and Instagram are going to be a great place to advertise to these people as well as perhaps um, sort of muscle competitions, things like that. You start to realise where your customers are and you know you can do this for most type of businesses. Plumbers, just to show you another way, plumbers, your customers are people living in homes, simple as that. So great ways to reach them, flyer drops, uh, Facebook, you know, majority of people have Facebook. Um, also website because people will be searching for when they need a plumber because they're panicking because their body's not working there's it's just the main thing I'd say is just straight away understanding who your customer is and what they want then everything else follows on from that okay so we've we've done that we've established where they are what's the first marketing thing that you would suggest a website a, a Facebook profile um, if, if we say like there's a budget there, yeah. it's not massive, but there's a, there's a budget there. So getting a website in place um, that's targeting to the leads, creating a Facebook page, would you say they're the, the first couple of things you should be doing, getting yourself yeah. on Google? So if you're a product-based business and you want to sell online, you need some sort of uh, capability to do that. So if there's a budget there, you know, go get your own website, that's brilliant. If not, you've got eBay, Amazon, Etsy, those sort of platforms mm-hmm. that you can use, those third parties. But if you have that budget in place and you're selling things, selling physical products or downloads, whatever it is, you need that platform to do it. So I'd say first thing to do is get a website. If you're a service-based business, however, say, let's go back to the plumber example, mm-hmm. I would say invest your money in other forms of marketing to start off with. Getting a website is great, and sometimes if you've got a small budget, go and get your website from Squarespace or Wix, you know, one of those website builders, and get that platform there. From there, you can start doing your other forms of marketing, your Facebook posts, it's all free. You can drop some flyers locally, those sorts of forms of marketing. And when you grow to that point where you've got your established base of customers, then come see someone like myself, who's able to then build a website that's gonna get you more business and more leads. Okay, so last kind of thing that I want to touch on really is is the use of social media and the best way to kind of for any business to engage on social media. Mm. Um, I appreciate you're, you're very much website based now, but a lot of what you've done in the past has been marketing, social marketing, yeah. things like it's that. Yeah, a big part of my strategy as well. It, exactly. Yeah. So. How, how are you engaging on social media? What sorts of things can people do that are, are free without having to pay Facebook and Instagram or even get involved in paying influencers, which is a whole new podcast, I guess, mm-hmm. um, on, especially for things like the sportswear brand. Yeah. That would be a fantastic exactly. way you get someone with 100,000 followers to do some posts for you. Yeah. Um, then you're likely to get some, um, some sales off the back of that, mm-hmm. for sure, um, or at least some awareness of your brand. What sort of things can people be doing within these platforms that aren't going to make them overly reliant on these platforms? So things like Facebook, um, Instagram, as maybe the main two, mm. um, Twitter maybe, uh, to, to build some kind of um, awareness and marketing for their company. So I think the best way to approach it is just using it as a tool, using it as a platform, which mm. is to then share your message and get you know, use it to achieve your goals. Again, it goes back to goals. Every single thing that you're doing needs to be related to goals. So 
I like using examples because it makes it more specific. Going back to the polymer example, you should be using, if, you know, if your goal is to get more business and get more inquiries, more phone calls, use Facebook, use Instagram, use whatever platforms you're using to do that. Um, and the way I tend to approach it is just being myself, you know, not trying to show off anything, just literally being myself, standing out, using my color of red, <laughs> standing out, making sure people remember me, and just consistently putting out new content, helping people, speaking to people, updating people on what I'm doing, just being in, the, in their heads, you know, just making sure they're seeing you regularly. So going back to the plumber example again, you know, I keep going back to specific examples because it's easier to explain. If you're posting regularly, if you are, you know, perhaps you do border services and you're posting regularly, and then you get to the point where one of the your one of the people who have seen your post many times on Facebook, they've never had any interest, they need their border service in all of a sudden. Because they've seen you so often on mm. Facebook, they've seen your post, you're in their head and they come to you. So it's a long game. So would you be marketing via a page or via your own personal profile? So a blend of the two. On Facebook, I would use my Facebook page, um, but I blend it. You know, sometimes I post in groups as myself. Um, on LinkedIn, I do all of my marketing through my personal profile. Mm-hmm. But this is because it suits me. It suits my goals, and it suits the fact that I'm a one-man band. Mm-hmm. You know, it suits that I am the brand. Yes. Whereas if you're a big company or an enterprise, you want to be marketing through your uh, pages and you know sort of company company perspective. Uh, you know your CEO can do some posts and stuff like that. That's cool, but it comes down to who you are and what you want to achieve again. I think that's a really important point because if we take pick a really big company, something like Pepsi or Coca Cola, most people couldn't instantly name who runs that company. Yeah. I mean, they're multi-millionaires, but you've got no idea in mm. the general sphere of things. They're not using their own Facebook profile yeah. to say, buy Pepsi. Yeah. There's no need to, I guess, at that scale, but the marketing is coming via the, the Coca-Cola cool. kind of Facebook pages. But on a smaller business scale, building that personal brand, that, that individual brand making people want to use you, can be really important. So yeah. um, I do. I obviously have quite a few people on Facebook and on LinkedIn. I've got probably about eleven thousand connections on LinkedIn. So I, I see a mix of that. To be fair, of people, um, a lot of people. What they'll actually, or what I'll see them do, whether this is right or wrong, is they'll maybe post via their business page, yeah. and then they will share it via their own page with a bit more about what they're doing or they'll use their own kind of stories section to tell a little bit more about this usual plumber example yeah. I'm here at someone's house fixing the boiler um, or doing whatever and putting different things about what they're doing so that their friends and their friends friends and all of that like say they know what they're doing and yeah. the next time they need that um, they know. Yeah. yeah, they're in the head and they're thinking, oh, I need my boiler service. Do I phone British Gas who pinged me with penguin adverts for God knows how long? <laughs> or do I phone Steve who I've seen? He's yeah. um, kind of on Facebook. He's, and he's doing, busy and he's, he's doing busy, well. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's done Barbara's down the road, that sort of thing. Exactly. That's, a, that's a perfect way to, you know, it's about playing the long game. You know, if you're rushing things, you're gonna get found out. It's gonna be obvious that you're desperate for business and you're trying too hard. Mm. If you're relaxed and you play that long game and you're not pushing people, you're just helping people out, it will come back. It will come back to you. And I think if you are gonna take that long game approach to it, the consistency of it, mm. I mean, doing one post on a Monday and then three weeks later doing another, isn't I mean Facebook has an algorithm now and all of that so if you want to be out there you're going to need to be within that algorithm posting regularly testing different things and and seeing what's kind of um working to get into people's feeds so yeah. I think Facebook realized it was becoming very very noisy when people were getting above 100 followers yeah. um, or 100 connections which most people most people I see have at least a few hundred. Mm. Many, I mean, I know there's a 5,000 limit, but many are having thousands. So it's just going to become an absolute noise. (laughs) You're not going to see anything. People aren't even reading, they're just scrolling. So to be there regularly is going to be really important, I would think, and consistent throughout the day, 
constant posting and consistency is just the biggest thing you know whatever form of marketing you do if you're consistent with it and a big big mistake that I, I've made myself and I've, I've seen other businesses make they get busy and they turn down the marketing and as a result they finish off the projects finish off what they're doing and they think oh I haven't got that much going on at the moment. If you're consistent with it, you continually market, that's how I think you grow a business. You know, I, I, I'm no expert on it in the sense that I'm a one-man band. I, I've had the opportunity to grow, but I'm quite happy to be myself currently. But from speaking to business owners who, are, who have businesses much bigger than mine, one thing they've always said is just being consistent in anything you do. Whether it be your marketing, your service, your sales, just being consistent. Excellent. Okay, so the last thing I want to finish on, completely off topic, um, and by the time this goes out, we will kind of know the answers to this, but everyone I'm speaking to at the moment, we're kind of having a little bit of a Brexit conversation, because it's really, really topical yeah. at the moment. So you're speaking to lots of business owners, um, yeah. daily I would think, you've got lots of clients who own small to medium sized businesses. Yeah. What are you kind of hearing from them? What What is Brexit doing out there? What What's the kind of thoughts? Yeah, so one of my good friends um, runs a software development company and I know that a lot of the issues he's had in his business, despite his, being, his business running really well, um, he's very successful and he's had a great job, but the issues that he's had have been mainly as a result of Brexit. And the way that's impacted him is his clients where he's had projects lined up have pulled out due to being unsure to how Brexit's going to affect their business. So I think for service businesses like myself, working with other businesses, the biggest thing for me at the moment is people being unsure. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with everyone actually, you know, saying that, you know, going back to the plumber example, people are not so sure about getting their boiler replaced because they want to hold on to the money just in case Brexit screws everything up. You know, there's uncertainty and I think that's not just affecting businesses, but everyone you know yes. no one's kind of continuing their their normal lives as they would have done three or four years ago i was um speaking to um a, a commodities trader amitaf his um podcast yeah we're, we're kind of um launching the previews of it now yeah um and he gave a really really good insight to brexit in that it's all still a guess you're just gonna have to kind of play the game you're gonna have to run it through to see what happens but what's causing the biggest problem it's not a deal it's not no deal it's you're not doing anything and no one yeah. knows what's going to happen yeah. and and everyone is just going we just stop yeah. and that will have a much bigger effect on our economy in his words than any outcome um, of, of Brexit could possibly yeah. have um, because people are going to start talking themselves into this recession they're not going to buy the holiday they're not going to have their boiler upgraded companies won't go well we're not getting as much from our website as we want we've got some money let's upgrade our website mm. um, we'll hold on to that just in case that's it which is kind of counterproductive because if things do get tough you want a better website a yeah. better marketing strategy to, um, to kind of play through so obviously we're we're what a week out from having uh, having a definitive answer on whether we're going to leave the um, EU. We're filming this on um, October the twenty fifth, so we're we're waiting today to see <laughs> what the EU are actually going to say. Yeah. Whether we're going to get a delay, whether we're going to have that delay vetoed, um, and whether we um, we leave next week or whether we'll be leaving in January mm. with a general election in the middle somewhere. So yeah, it, it's a mess to <laughs> yeah. kind of keep it non-political, but it, it is a, a complete mess. And from yeah. uh, an economic point of view and a small business point of view, I think your comments mirror everyone I'm speaking to mm. at the moment. However you deal with it, do something yeah. and, and give clarity to the way forward so that people can take decisions can make um, investment and be confident moving forward even if that way forward is it might cause problems in this sector or, or that sector mm -hmm. or, or whatever they can make their decisions knowing that yeah. and factor those in but the kind of paralysis on making a decision in parliament is now echoing down to some extent into businesses where they can't make their decisions until Parliament Day. So yeah, it's interesting to um
to get a view on that. So Todd, how can people get in contact with you? If they want to talk about their website, they want to talk about their marketing, um, I'm assuming because what you do is um, online based, you operate all across the UK with businesses. Yeah, yeah, I've got customers uh, all across Norfolk, Suffolk, UK, a couple in Europe, so I okay. work with people all over the place and I enjoy that, you know, I can do everything remotely. Uh, but at the same time, as I said, people buy from people, so it is nice to meet people where possible. Mm-hmm. So how can people get in contact with you? What's the, the so best way? Probably the best way is visit my website, semibold.co.uk, um, just like the hoodie. Um, and then on there, you've got all my contact details, some examples, my previous work. Um, I've got my phone number and stuff like that. So take a look at that and uh, they, can, they can decide whether they think that I might be able to help them. Excellent. And I've been wondering this, so it's a good um, kind of time just to finish up on this. Why semi-bold? What's behind the name? So often, get it so often. So there's. I wish I could tell you there's some sort of big story or, or you know, real meaning behind it. You need to create. (laughs) Yeah, I need to to make one up. To be honest with you, I knew I I wanted a short business name, uh, or as short as possible, and I wanted the domain for it. I wanted it to be relevant to design and creativity. Semi-bold is a weight of a lot of fonts. um, So. I just wrote down a list of all these different words that are related, and I used, uh, I think it was a website called Namecheck, and basically what it does, it tells you what domains are available for it, whether the social media handles are taken, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Did that, went for about 30 or 40 of these names, and I got to Semi-Bold, and I saw .co.uk was available, I saw the, the Instagram, those sort of things were available, and I thought, that's the one. Simple as that. Went on to, uh, went on to the domain registrar, bought the domain, and the rest is history. Excellent. I'm really not surprised. <laughs> Speaking to a marketer and the way you came about your name, you obviously picked something that was relevant, yeah. lots of things that were relevant, and then made sure that all your social media handles, website, all of that was available. I think a lot of people pick their name and then end up with some hyphenated yeah. website that's yeah. like... .org.uk. That's that's it. It. Yeah. And they're like, oh, why did I brand my company this way? <laughs> so that, that's quite an important thing to look at. If you are starting a company, yeah. making sure that you do those checks. So what was that website you said you I checked? I think it's called Namecheck. Okay. Um, probably if we did a search for Namechecker or you know, something Domain like Checker, that. something okay. along those lines, I'm sure there's loads of options. And, it, and it would tell you whether the, the Instagram handle's available. Yeah. I think that, that's fantastic, that's some really um, good news. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thank, Thank you for your me. time this morning. And um, yeah, hopefully people have got some really good bits out of um, our chat. and. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Todd. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us and support us on Instagram at The Real Michael Webb and on Facebook at The Michael Webb Podcast. Thank you very much, and we will see you again soon.